Hello, welcome to the St. Paul's Podcast, where you'll find talks from our Sunday services. For more information, feel free to check out our website, stpauls.co.uk. Thank you. So the reading's from Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18, and it's on page 965 of the Church Bibles. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Good evening. I'm, I'm Ali. I'm one of the occasional preachers here at St Paul's and I'm really conscious of the fact that you will want me to finish on time (laughs) because of a certain other event that's going on this evening. Um, I'm married to Dave, he just read for us, and when our daughter was about three or four years old, she, um, she got part of Mary in the nursery nativity. It was a really simple affair the, the kids looked cute in their costumes and they walked around the stage while one of the nursery teachers read the nativity story. But those of you who know our daughter Jo will not be surprised to know that she was absolutely on it. She had been rehearsed and she knew what she was doing. But when they stepped out onto stage, disaster struck. Joseph took one look at his mother in the audience, burst into tears and ran to her. But before any member of the nursery staff could move, my daughter marched down the aisle, grabbed Joseph by the wrist and hauled him back onto stage. And she then went round the entire stage holding tightly onto Joseph. She had one of those little rocking horses as a donkey, mounted it, one-armed, no problem. She marched up to the innkeepers to see if there was any room in the inn, and then when they gave her the doll, the doll that that, that represented, you know, the Lord Almighty made incarnate, she just looked at it and dumped it in the manger, because she was far too bothered about not letting Joseph escape. And when I was preparing for this week, um, it made me think, actually, that my, my picture of nativity has a tendency to be a little bit like that. You know, it's all about Mary, and Joseph is just dragged along in her wake, 
and what he thinks about it doesn't really matter. But actually, this reading, this reading just gives lie to that. I guess uh, Luke is my favourite gospel. I studied it at O level. And for those of you that are part of the youth here, O-levels are a qualification that prove I'm old enough to be your grandmother. (laughs) Um, But also, it was written by a Gentile. It was written by a physician. And Luke tells the story of the women and the sick and the outcasts. And there are several reasons in there why I'm drawn to it. But Matthew's gospel... Matthew's gospel is a gospel that is written by a Jew for Jews. It's a book of Jewish wisdom written in the style of Jewish wisdom. And the readers to whom Matthew was writing would have been very, very um, versed in the Jewish law and in the prophecies and in the expectation of a Messiah. I hadn't really ever got why we're given the genealogy of Joseph. I I take family trees as part of my work, and I take family trees because I'm interested in the genetic background of the person that I'm seeing. And so if the person tells me they're adopted, I I don't take the rest of the tree. It's not relevant to what I do. And it's often kind of occurred to me, why go into all this detail about the family tree of Joseph? Uh, Which Matthew does just before the reading that Dave read to us. And it's actually to show us that the choice of Joseph was as important as the choice of Mary. That that symbolically the timing of Jesus' arrival and the choice of Joseph within that family tree was really significant symbolically. And I'm not going to go into that now, but, but go look it up. It's really interesting. But the choice of Joseph was also really important because of who Joseph was. We just sang about heaven holding its breath before the resurrection, but I just wonder if heaven held its breath at this point, you know? Joseph is a righteous man. And to put it coyly, the woman to whom he is betrothed is with child and he has not lain with her. Now, we know the ending of the story. We know that she was innocent, but he didn't. This was in the only possible explanation in his experience of life. This was an immense act of betrayal. Either by Mary voluntarily or by some other bloke imposing himself on Mary, knowing that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. So Joseph had been betrayed. And what does Joseph do? If this was EastEnders, he'd be out there in the middle of the square screaming at her, wouldn't he? But he doesn't. He considers the position 
and he thinks about the next right thing to do. Now, Joseph was a man who was faithful to the law. It tells us that. There's another story later in the gospel about men who are really faithful to the law, who want to do what the law tells them to do, to a woman who was caught in adultery. And they're wanting to stone her. And the implication is that she was actually caught in the act, but there's more than one way of being caught in adultery. And presumably being pregnant when it's not by the man that you're engaged to is one of those ways. And so heaven must have been holding its breath here. The stakes for Mary were extraordinarily high. And Joseph, a man faithful to the rock, would have been within his rights to drag her before the Pharisees and have her stoned. But he doesn't, and this is incredible, and I'm ashamed that I haven't really considered Joseph enough before, so that the cliffhanger is, is she she going to be stoned? But what I find mind-blowing is that here is Joseph in what must have been such an immensely hurtful position, considering what was best for Mary, trying to do the right thing by the woman he thought had betrayed him. You never get that in an EastEnders story, do you? I think that is incredible. And because he was taking that time to stop and to consider, he was in a place that when God spoke, he could hear. And if you think about that other group of men who were faithful to the law, the Pharisees, the law for them was a cage. They were so trapped by their legalism that they couldn't recognize God when he stood in front of them. But Joseph's following of the law was such that... I think it must have been not a cage for him, but a scaffold for his faith. Because not only did he have the grace to want to do the right thing by Mary, but he could recognize the divine voice when it spoke to him. And also he could obey the divine voice when it spoke to him. So this upright, godly man was told by God to marry Mary. And he did. And he did. The title of this talk was Trusting Through Testing. And I didn't really know whether that meant, you know, trusting God through the time of testing or learning to trust God because of your time of testing. But actually, I I think for Joseph, it must have been a bit of both. That he trusted God, he was able to hear God, he obeyed God, and, and through what happened next, I'm guessing that Joseph's trust in God increased no end. So 
just very briefly, because I know we're coming to the end of my time here, if we're going through a time of testing, maybe consider your position. Just be honest with God about the position that you're in and about how it's making you feel. But maybe just pause and ask for guidance as to what is the next right thing to do. Even if that means blessing the person that has betrayed you. And Debbie last week gave us the invitation to use Advent, part of the church's calendar, as a scaffold for our faith, to take time to watch and wait with God and listen for the divine voice and then pray for the courage to obey it. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this talk. We have a series of other podcasts available from our Sunday services. For more information, please visit our website, stpools.co.uk. Thank you.